0: Master Plumbers Radio, bringing you all the stuff you won't learn in trade school. Welcome to Master Plumbers Radio. My name is Daniel Carroll, and today my guest is Matt Reynolds. Matt is the director of XRM Plumbing Services, a high-end maintenance firm that he built from his garage before serving in an advisory role for the Laser Group, uh, the leading plumbing and electrical contracting franchise across Australia and New Zealand. Matt's a recognised industry contributor. He's an award-winning plumber, a podcast host on his podcast called Trench Talk, and a regular contributor to the Australian Plumbing Magazine. Matt, welcome to Master Plumbers Radio.
1: Thank you for having me in, Daniel.
0: It's uh, good to have you on board. I remember when I first started in my role here, uh, I I picked up on your podcast and I thought, oh, this is a guy that I need to be uh, following. He seems to have his his uh, stuff in order and I might be able to learn a thing or two from him. So,
1: Well, that's very nice of you to say. It's been an interesting journey putting the podcast together and I'm sure you're starting to find here with Master Plumbers Radio that the it's a uh, format of media communication that really travels a long way and I've been quite surprised about uh, who's picked up on it, um, who listens to the podcast, who contacts you. Earlier, I think it was episode number four, I got a uh, email from somebody who told me that they'd listened to the podcast and then quit their job because the guest had said something that resonated with them in a certain way that thought, you know, they thought to themselves, hey, um, you know, I've had enough of what I'm doing here and I want to move on to bigger and better things. And and uh, and they did. So it's uh, it's been very surprising for me because I don't really, to be quite honest, consider myself to be smart in any sort of way. Um and to be able to pick up a microphone and you know put down a shovel, I guess, and pick up a microphone and and communicate with some of these people has been uh, has, has been awesome to do and and as I say, really surprising about how far it's
0: gone. So well, that's awesome. Taking a couple of steps back, how did you originally get involved in plumbing? Was there something that drew you in, or was just a, in the family lines, as some people usually are? They they do what their dad does, or. Watch
1: no, story. no, didn't, didn't follow uh, mum and dad's lead in terms of occupation, but did follow their advice. So going through school, I wasn't the smartest person in the class, I guess you'd say. And I remember a conversation that I had with my dad one day and he, you know, I guess you have it at a certain point in your life and, you know, what do you want to do? Where are you going? And all that sort of stuff. And my answer at the time, probably quite naively, was that I wanted to be rich and the advice that he gave me Which was... he doesn't
0: want to be. you. Well, that's right, yeah, <laughs> Especially exactly. Especially
1: when you're following the NBA players and the AFL players. Exactly. They're rich and they do what they love. <laughs> you know, I'd come to the conclusion that I couldn't be uh, Michael Jordan and uh, the police and fire brigade weren't for me. So the next best option, yeah, to, to become rich. So the advice that, uh, that he gave me at the, the time was that if you want to do that, you need to work for yourself. So some very quick c- calculations in my head. Um, I worked out that if I went down the uni path and then had to get out of uni then get the experience then maybe borrow some money raise some money whatever to start a company that I was really looking at a probably a, a good solid 6 to 10 years before I could actually get into you know into that position where I was working for myself and then I thought about trade and I thought well four year apprenticeship I could start as soon as I finished year 12 which I did and the day that I finished my apprenticeship I'll, I'll start my own business which is exactly what what I did do. So, um, it was just a very uh, practical, I guess, answer or solution to a, the problem I was wrestling with, you know, getting ahead in life, I suppose. And, and I, I fell into plumbing and I, I loved it. And, um, you know, it's worked out really well for me so far. So it's been a that that piece of advice and, and plumbing that I found is is you know it's been a great blessing for me.
0: And there's also just touching on your um, your desire uh, to get rich and you know choosing a, a trade over like uni study and whatever else. Uh, I've seen recently there's um, been some news articles saying about how when you work it out in the long run, uh, hex debt and all that sort of stuff. Uh, person who invests in a trade earlier on in their career-wise actually comes out in front over the length of the career, so.
1: Yeah, and there's, I think, a couple of really good reasons for that because I've, I've since reflected and maybe, you know, becoming rich was a bit uh, too lofty of a goal or whatever at the time and, you know, you had a bit of fun with it. But um, a couple of key reasons that I've now realised is that, you know, time is money and the two things or two advantages we have as a tradesman are time and money, as in that we get paid, although little, you know, um, we get paid from the very start, um, which means that we don't we don't need to pay to learn. We get paid to learn, if that makes yep. any sense. So the two things we have is we get we start early and we and we get paid. We don't run up a lot of debt, and then you've got this. You know, um, the compound interest factor that comes in that, you know, anyone who jumps on the internet these days can pull out a calculator and just work out how little you need, you know, invested early on to compound and all the Warren Buffett stuff that's out yeah. there. You, you can look into that and it makes a big difference in the end. So if you get to the, you know, you get to the starting gate in some cases eight or 10 years um, late, if you want to put it that way, then you've got to work really, really hard and be really, really smart to to catch up and to get ahead and you know i knew
0: i wasn't really smart so that was an option for me yeah well i wish if i if i had my time again i might have been uh, looking towards a, a trade there's uh, it's, there's something to be said about um you know using your brain to figure out a problem and working with your hands so it's something i really appreciate about uh the people that are in trades um You're involved in a lot of things away from the tools. As I mentioned before and in the intro, you're a recognised industry contributor. You host a podcast, you write regular articles for the Australian Plumbing Magazine, and you're just a big promoter for the industry in general. Um, At what point in your plumbing journey did um, this type of thing begin to appeal to you?
1: I'm not sure the exact point, but I think... The reason that I've, I've chosen to put a bit of time into these things is because I'm just a really big believer in the opportunity that we have as tradesmen, um, particularly if you are not, you know, we touched on that, uh, of, of that, I suppose, mindset and uh, intelligence to go to uni and do well there, it's a great, great opportunity opportunity that if you are willing to work and you're willing to put in the hours, you know, you can you can go really well. And we've seen many, many cases of that in Australia. And I just, I just love the opportunity. I think it's a great teacher of life. I think it's a great teacher of core Australian values. You know, you do the right thing, you put in the hours, you know, you, you be honest and you collect good money for doing it. And if you can be organised in the way that you go about it, then I think, uh, you know, it's just a great opportunity in life and, and I want to pass that on to as many people as as I possibly can to, to give them they you know the same start I guess that I kind of fell into.
0: Talking about uh, giving back and passing on the things you learned back into the industry, a little while back you presented at a business breakfast that I attended, and you spoke to the crowd of tradies about uh, the use of technology in trades. Uh, can you remember a little bit about what you spoke about? I can recall a bit of what we spoke about. Yeah, the
1: trade industry is in a very interesting um, position at the moment where. We haven't fully gone digital, but we're certainly getting very, very close to, I suppose, that someone flicking that switch where we have to be to stay in business. And it's a, um, there's a lot of opportunity out there for those people that, that uh, recognise that, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I've just got a couple of notes here about uh, some things that stood out to me. It's uh, how apps are changing the way that we run a business, how you need to think to leverage the power of technology and trades, Uh, Why it's about to cost a whole lot less to grow a business. uh, How technology is solving the traditional challenges in business, and you also shared some of the applications that you use in your business.
1: Technology slash apps—that's certainly a big part of it. And we only need to look at the rest of our lives to see how we've adapted the, particularly the use of our phone and then applications, obviously that run on our phones and the effectiveness and efficiency that we can now do a lot of mundane tasks and. I remember the point that I realised that this could be a possibility for the trade business, and the point that I realised how it had sort of started to really affect our lives is that I was one of the really, I came to, I, I was part of the generation that Facebook was introduced to, and I didn't jump on it straight away. Yeah. And I remember it was a Monday or Tuesday after a weekend, and you know, a couple of friends together and started talking about a party that was on the weekend that I knew nothing about. And I found out that that's because the invite was done through Facebook and I didn't have Facebook okay, at the yeah. time. So I missed the, you know, I was busy working at the time and probably wasn't uh, putting in too much on the on the social sort of side, but um, I missed the invite because I wasn't on Facebook. So that's, when that happened, that was a real moment for me that I thought, you know what, if this can change the way we act socially, maybe there's some benefits here that yeah. w- could also apply to our businesses as well. And I think that today we we don't have time to do everything the manual way. Yeah. So I think you need to be, in respect to technology, you kind of got to be all in or all out. There's some things that you can automate in your business that you don't need to do manual. They don't affect Um, the way that you communicate, the power of the communication with your customers or employees or anything like that. So um, you want to use technology as an enabler, as in that you automate the things that can be automated to give you time to spend one-on-one communication when it's really needed. So that's kind of the way that I think about the use of technology all in um, or all out. And the great thing about many of these programs is that, you know, when I started to put servers into my office and get tablets and um, and all the rest of it to make some of these things work, we all have the hardware these days. There's no cost um, anymore. On that side, because we all we all already own phones, right? We yeah. all we all have iPads and all that sort of stuff. So it's the just number the, one
0: tool in the toolbox.
1: That's right. Oh yeah, the most important tool. Yeah, exactly. And as traders, we can we think, oh, we'll always have a job, which is true. I think that we will, for the foreseeable future, always have a job. The problem is, before you have a job, you've got to get a job, and whether yeah. that's actually getting a job as in working for someone else or getting work as a business owner, um, you know, you, you've got to think through those things. So,
0: Can you remember, that's almost 12 months ago now, and we know in the world of technology, 12 months is a bloody long time. Um, how have your thoughts changed in that last period? It's getting faster.
1: Everything's getting a lot faster. Just in 12 months, we've seen the GPS technology um, come a long way in terms of speed. Yeah. You know, we're only, and this is kind of macro stuff. You know, we've got five G in, yeah. in some parts of Victoria now, which is going to make things even faster again. Yeah. So, you know, the pro one of the programs that that we use quite a lot now. We actually have complete live feed from the field. So, if someone takes a photo, it pops up inside you know our dashboard in almost like a Twitter style minute by minute, second by second, okay. total transparency way of operating. So that, you know, 12 months ago wasn't, you know, it was probably possible, it was a bit slower, but um, yeah, we're just getting faster and faster, which is just the general trend in
0: in all parts of, of life really. Can you remember outside the obvious ones like um, job management and that type of thing, can you remember, um, or what type of apps do you use, even if it's just getting yourself organised with like a calendar or something, is there anything in particular that sort of stands out to you as things that you implement in your... Day to day routine,
1: outside of plumbing management, um, just all of the the standard ones. You no know, Gmail, um, Google yep. Suite, yep. all the stuff that goes along with that. Um, big Dropbox sort of person. I suppose it's
0: a, that's pretty appealing, given that um, with the Google Suite, especially given the fact that uh, you know I've run into a lot of people that whinge every time they have to. Um, update their their programs and buy the newest version you know you don't have to worry about buying Microsoft Office anymore because there's pretty much a identical version of those tools that's available for free and uh, uh, syncs across all of your devices
1: yeah the, and the challenge becomes then just keeping up with the developments inside those, apps, right? And just little things like Dropbox made it really easy just uh, only recently to edit docs on the go, you know, so you've got something okay. you need to send out or you can quickly jump in and change a sentence or whatever. It can all be done by, by your phone now. So you yeah. don't really need to travel with a laptop or anything like that. Those days are probably, you know, are gone really if,
0: if, if you're on top of how your apps work and what they're capable of. Yeah. And I guess the big thing there is too that uh, if you're going to be uh, implementing some like that in your day-to-day routine, uh, the uh, the flip side of that is worrying about what you're going to lose if your phone falls into the drink, or <laughs> yeah, it's it,
1: it, it's first of all it seems a lot more unsafe than. Um, than the old way, than carrying paper. But then when I guess you start to understand how the cloud works a little bit and, and how things are backed up yeah. and you, know, you, you quickly find that it's a lot a
0: lot safer way of, just, of doing Just for the people like that. listening that might not have a good grasp of how the cloud operates, do you have a, a simple explanation, just putting you on the spot here, <laughs> a simple explanation for how uh, that works and how it's all possible?
1: Well, basically everything that happens on your phone is replicated externally in multiple ways. Places. So if you use Gmail as an example, your emails are not actually on your phone per se. They're just a a copy of what's somewhere else. So that's why if you drop your phone down the toilet, as we've all done from time to time in the old days, putting our you know the first iterations of our phones in the top pocket of our overalls. Yeah, you know every plumber that used to wear overalls had probably done that at some point, straight in the straight in the sure, toilet. Sure,
0: surely the original phones wouldn't have even wouldn't have been small enough to fit in the bowl, would they? They would have just rested on. Yeah, the yeah, top. that's
1: right. <laughs> yeah, the the laptops. I never actually had a um or or a suitcase. They really started out like I never had one of those phones, but um certainly the bricks early on. I did I did have those. So, yeah, it's just that you, once you understand that the what's on your phone is just a copy of where. The information is kept somewhere else and it doesn't actually matter if you lose or that reading device gets damaged. If you're properly backed up and you have your passwords in the right place, you can very quickly get,
0: get up and going straight away. You just need a, a decent, half decent data plan on your phone, which data, I remember when I, uh, you know, a couple of phone plans that I've had, the data has been quite pricey. But um, I think the latest plans out there at the moment, you can get yourself 100 gigabytes for, you know, $30 or something. So it's, the, the price of data has made it a lot more accessible for everybody to start using these type of services.
1: And, and you do need a good data plan because I was just talking on the, on the way over here this morning to a plumber who had an issue with a heater just recently and he went back to the manufacturer and actually ended up doing a FaceTime call and they solved the, you know, potential warranty call you know, through a phone, through that FaceTime um, way of communicating and you need data for that, you know, so it's a very, very small price to pay. You know, data was, it did used to be expensive, but I mean, it's it's basically free now. So um, it's just a cost that you've got to be comfortable with paying if you want to move forward.
0: Oh, for sure. Just like you, you mentioned before about the introduction of 5G, when 4G came along, that made a huge difference to people being able to not just... Work, but even just communicate. Uh, as you said before, uh, the FaceTime calls—that's that's that's massive. Being able to just outside of work, being able to communicate to family and friends, and people not realising originally that you could do so many things other than just talk—is you can show someone what you're actually looking at. If you're not good at describing things over the phone, you can show them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's some things that you can jump on YouTube and, and learn about when you're on the job. And yep. you know, a lot of plumbers are very good at sharing Facebook and Instagram stories and stuff now, as we've often talked about and the jobs that they're doing and the work that they're going through and some of their methods and um, you know procedures and that sort of thing. And, and you can learn through all of that sort of stuff. So um, you just need to organise your phone so it's properly backed up yeah. <laughs> and you need to have a good data plan and you'll be you'll be fine.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure as well with all the different products that a tradesman is dealing with on a day-to-day basis. There's no need to have uh, folders full of instruction manuals when all of these things could, could be drawn up over the internet.
1: 100% right. And there's a lot of advantages to that. First of all, you've always got access to them. You don't leave them at home. And then manufacturers, suppliers and like, they can update them as better... Be- you know, better information becomes available and as products change over time they can quickly do that at their end, which then if you look it up, obviously gets replicated on your device. So it's a quicker, easier, more transparent method. You know, fits in with this whole, I guess, technology wave that we're that we're riding as a you know, as a plumbing industry and in life.
0: There's so much out there for people to drive efficiencies in their business, but it doesn't seem to be a great uptake just yet. Um Australians are renowned around the world for being early adopters of technology, everything from, you know, mobile phones to even just online services. What what do you think is holding people back from taking advantage of these? Is it, um, are we holding out for something better? Uh, are we waiting for someone to lead the way and to make the mistakes that everyone else is too afraid to make? Or is it simply a case of being too busy and or being resistant to change?
1: The main reason, I think, is that we haven't been forced into it yet because generally we still have a shortage of tradesmen. People need us, if you want to put it this way, although probably not you know, quite correct. People kind of need us more than we need them in some ways because yeah. there's not a shortage of work. Yeah. So if you don't need to improve yourself, if the market's not forcing that upon you, you can get a little bit complacent. Um, I'm not sure if we're holding out for something better because certainly from the people that I speak to and communicate with regularly, we're not using the things we have available just yet to their full potential. So we can't, until we understand what we've got, there's probably no reason to, you know, to hold out for the future. Um, I I think this is where the opportunity really opens up because what we're finding is that, and I'll give you an example, only probably six months ago I was talking to one company and they were looking at implementing some changes in their in their business. And then they come to the conclusion that the owner didn't really believe in the power of computers. Okay. And if you come from that mindset, well then none of this is probably gonna make any sense to you at all, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to be in that spot, in my opinion, where you're continually um testing and 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 trying new things to just to be open to new and better ways of doing things. And what's going to happen is that we do have a bit of an ageing population in this plumbing industry. More people are going to start exiting soon, if I've got the statistics, statistics even, correct, than are what are coming in. So the people that are coming in are going to be um, more valuable. Yeah. So what's going to happen is that plumbing companies are going to have to find a way to communicate with these younger people coming into the industry. And they're all on their phones. They're all tech savvy and all that sort of stuff. So there's there's that. There is also, we're starting to see that the, the, the main people that, all, that uh, order plumbing work and have plumbing work done own real estate. And these people are also aging. What's going to happen is that eventually that property is going to be passed on to younger generations who are going to be Tech savvy as well. So, okay. as a forward play on um, shoring up or protecting your business, you want to have a tech environment, in my opinion, for these younger people to come into. Because if you don't, they won't want to work for okay. you. Yep. You know, and that's going to be a big part of becoming a, an employer of choice. You know, you're going to have to operate in a way that people want to work. You know, so that the, the tide's going to change a little bit.
0: And touching on that, being being an employer of choice, um, similarly, you've also got to be offer a service that people want to engage with. And you wrote in a recent column for Australian Plumbing that consumers are wanting more, and they want it to be better, and they all they want it to be faster. They want it to be now, and there's a huge desire out there for a higher level of service and a variety of uh, choice. Um, The consumer-driven technologies basically re-engineered how many industries around the world are operating, and they're forcing major changes to everything uh, we use, all consumer products for everything we do from purchasing like Spotify, Netflix, Amazon, Uber Eats and the like, and uh, even how we travel. So Uber, uh, Ola, DD, Airbnb, all those type of things. Um, I guess that's a typical case of people voting with their thumbs. You know, you can do all these things from the the comfort of your couch at home. Um, It it seems to me through all that that there's a huge opportunity for disruption in the trade space.
1: Yeah, and I've written a few articles on this about we're being um, primed for disruption because there is so much money uh, in the trade space and so much money that gets transacted, you know, under that – Building and construction banner that these bigger companies are not going to just observe that f- forever. They're going to want a piece of that. And I've done a fair bit of um, uh, communicating and, and, and research and stuff in the US at the moment. And what this has really forced is the disappearance of the middle sized plumbing companies. You know, you're always going to have, they call it, uh, chuck in a truck, we'd say man in a van, but they call it okay. chuck in a truck, just the small operator, one or two people running around. And um, and then you have the $100 million turnover plus category and everyone in between that is really disappearing. And the reason is that because you need to be in a position where you can um, adapt all of these things and understand what consumers want. And as soon as you actually think from the cu- consumer's perspective, you set yourself up for rapid growth. I mean, if we can order food through our phone, why can't we get a plumber? Yeah. And there's a number of other things that come into play here. And I'll give you an example. Anyone who's been into McDonald's recently in the last few years knows that we have these uh, digital screens that we order from. Um, We don't have to wait in line anymore. Now, you can look at that and say, well, McDonald's just wants to get rid of their staff behind the counter and that's probably true but I've read a few things on what they actually found when they've done that and the fact now is that many people actually order more from a digital screen than they do in person because they're so used to working through a device and when they're in front of somebody because we don't do it all the time anymore that you know we can be put under a bit of pressure and we can hurry and we can forget to order things. Yeah. Whereas if well, you're, what-
0: you're feeling a little bit uh, reluctant to order the extra burger or the, ex- the bigger box of nuggets because of uh, what the person taking the order might think of you. But um, when it all comes in a brown paper bag, all of that's a, a secret.
1: <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And just the fact that you can, you know, it's quicker. You can just touch the screen and it's done. You don't even have to say, upsize my meal. Yes, I'm prepared to have fries or the extra, whatever they do these days, I'm not sure. But um, it's just an easier way of doing it. So you start to get these situations where the great divide happens because companies pick up on this and then they they really take off. Others that don't retreat back. Because what we need to be very aware of, in my opinion, as an industry is – we compare our, you know we compare ourselves to other plumbers all the time you know maybe i do something better than, than him in this way but he's better at at that than us in, in another way that's not the case anymore we're getting compared on our, on our phones mm. so someone will literally order a new pair of shoes through their phone through amazon or catch of the day or whatever they're doing yeah. and then they'll try and get a plumber And even if that correspondence, even if that contact with a plumbing company means that they have to call, they have to wait on hold, then they have to call them back, then they need to email them, that's so hard in comparison to what they've just done. It makes the plumbing company look bad even if they haven't got any worse. So we need to understand that we get compared now across industries and that's something
0: we've got to be very, very aware of. And with how much much reliance people place on... um, Word of mouth and ratings these days. Well, we've seen um, both good and bad uh, examples of people push for that uh, high ranking on Google or the five star review on whatever sur- on whatever book you're using. But we've also seen that um, there's a couple couple of companies out there that have tried to take advantage of it by inventing their own platforms to say um okay, Jim's uh, plumbing oh, you, you can write your own reviews and no one will even know. and sooner or later those get found out and uh, they' you're more likely to see them coming up in a current affair or whatever when people um, the people find out what's actually going on and um, it can it can actually be quite detrimental if you' you're taking advantage of that in, in relation to being able to uh, attach... Uh, that type of technology to the trade space. As an association, uh, we're, we're always on the lookout for solution that can that we can present to our members to help them drive efficiencies in their business and get back some of the much-needed time uh, in their day. And on top of that, be able to deliver a greater service for their uh, both their current and prospective customers. Master Plumbers has recently signed an agreement to make uh I for tradies available exclusively to our members And it's uh, a company you're actually involved in yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about i and how you got involved? Yeah, sure. So I'm an early investor and advisor
1: at i and it was a funny story, I guess, how I did get involved and speaks back to what we originally covered, the the power of the podcast. Um, The founder, uh, Logan, contacted me a number of times um, early on in building the product through LinkedIn. And to be honest okay. with you, I just thought to myself, the last thing I need to deal with is, is someone coming in from the outside and, and telling me how my business needs to be changed and, and what I need to do differently. So I ignored um, the messages and he called me a few times and I continued to ignore it. And then I was actually at a breakfast um, run by the Master Plumbers, I think it is, okay. and I think it was. And, and one of the plumbers said, oh, I've got a guy that you should talk to for the podcast. And It was Logan and I went and spoke to him and and, um, I, I had him on the podcast and I started to understand a little bit about what he was doing. I think one of the key things with this trade space is that, and one of the challenging things really is that the trade world is so vastly different to the tech world that it's very, very hard for the two to work together. And there's a couple of different models, I guess you'd say, of disruption. One is like your Uber model where you just go into the taxi industry and you and you just do your own thing and you don't yep. need, need to have anything to do with the um, the current operation or the current people. You can just go about, you know, the whatever you want to do, you can disrupt that. Then you've got the model like, I guess you'd say the Spotify sort of model where you actually do need the industry participants to make your platform work. Spotify needs the existing artists to be on their platform for it to have any value yeah. and full credit to, to Logan and the way that he thought about this because um, he knew early on that he needed to get people inside the industry to actually have a really, um, I suppose, he needed to consider their opinions, and he needed to connect with those inside the industry, and really make this. You know, I know it's a bit of a buzzword, collaboration, but it really needed to be a team effort to yeah. kind of get the thing off the ground. You can't build something for someone
0: on what you think. You have to ask them.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, a a toing and froing thing. Certainly, I've learned a lot about that world working with um with all the guys, and I think that they'd say probably say the same thing about trade. And there's a number of things that that uh, they've done that have made us more more efficient and there's a number of things that that um, they've got a little bit wrong and, and vice versa you know yeah. so it really is a team team effort. so you know he understood that and, and um, I guess um, he invited me to be part of it and all that sort of thing and, and you know here I am today obviously talking about it. and along the journey it's been it probably took me I think realistically a six to eight months after I actually, got involved and started working day-to-day, you know, pressing buttons, testing things, yeah. to really understand this new um, consumer experience model. Because if we look at trade businesses, one thing we've got very, very – yeah, I suppose it's part of our evolution, but we've got different to all these big disruptors so far is that when we have a problem as a tradie, we often think about solving our problem. Yeah. we really shouldn't think about it that way so an example of that would be quoting like how do I quote what's a better system to quote yeah. we don't think how does that affect the customer like your internal operations of your business no none of your customers really care about you know none of us worry that um, about the latest phone system that you know cab companies installed back in their office you know five years ago yeah. we've never even thought about it all we know is that when the cab doesn't turn up in 20 minutes, like they say, we're annoyed. Yep. Then Uber comes along and gives us a much better experience and we go for don't it. Don't look back. We don't look <laughs> back. We get we we try it once and we and we really don't get back. Uh, don't look back. So it took me a while to get my head around this um, consumer-facing technology. So the way that I forTradies has been built is from the consumer perspective. It's about giving them control of the things that are happening with their job in a way that benefits you as a business owner. So if I can briefly describe, I suppose, I for Traders and the general, um, I suppose, parameters how we operate, there is three main apps, and there's a few more off this now, but three main ones. There's the business owners app, which is most of the things that you need to run your business internal. So I spoke uh, before we mentioned that that Twitter-like feed of everything that's, happening, that's mm-hmm. happening in your business. That's one of the things that rolls now inside the business owners app. We have an employee app, which is a separate download in the app store. And we have a consumer app. Now, the key thing about the three of them is that they all talk to each other. Yeah. So you can set up the parameters of what you share and you always want to share obviously what's appropriate. But for instance, um, if an employee takes a photo to start a job, the consumer will see that photo and so will the the business owner. So it brings a lot of transparency to the whole process and we're sort of creating this situation that consumers are used to now where they can see their parcels you know, track through the post. Yeah, They can see their Uber, drive to them. You can do all that with with I for Trade is now. And it's just that next step in lifting our game from a, from a consumer perspective. And I think that what we're going to – we haven't quite seen it yet, but I think what we're going to see very shortly is that we're going to have the McDonald's scenario where people are going to – because it's so easy to order stuff now, they're going yeah. to start ordering a lot more through the app because if someone's on shift work as an example and they come home and their tap's – Dripping, they can quickly pull out their app, a photo, send it off through yeah. the um, through our platform, and then it can get um, can get dealt with quickly and appropriately. Not after hours necessarily, but they don't have to wait till the morning. They don't have to get on the phone. Then they don't have to wait on hold. Then the yeah. you know your office person sick that day, you got to wait for the boss to quit. All the stuff that we all deal with all day, every yeah. day, you eliminate all that sort of stuff, and you just make it easier and quicker. And more desirable to to do business with you.
0: And you said, as well as being built for a uh, from from a consumer's point of view, yes. There's also a lot of benefit that that traders themselves can get out of this by saving time on you know uh, submitting paperwork and all that sort of stuff. Can you tell us about all the um, other functionality on on behalf of the the trader themselves of what it what it brings?
1: Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of things that, like when you get to a job. You take a photo to start the job as an example. Yeah. So it's, it's timestamped, goes straight into the system. So normally what would happen is that you need to put into normally multiple systems, you know, a start time, upload your photos somewhere else, um, do a job description somewhere else as the job progresses and that sort of thing. So we're bringing a lot of those things inside the, the one app. Um, as an industry, we've been pretty bad at collecting large amounts of data about yep. what we do. You know, we have P&Ls and we run balance sheets and all that sort of stuff. But if you're looking at, for example, buying a company, you really don't know. There's a, or there can be a lot hidden, I guess you'd say, behind those sales figures, as an example, about what actually happens. Yep. So what we're going to start seeing is that as as more of these systems get adapted, people start using them, they're collecting data, you can actually get a good um, – collection, a good understanding of what's happening inside the business. And there's just a lot of secondary things that come after you make this whole job process uh, a lot easier. So to to finish off the job process really quickly, you can't finish a job without taking a photo. You you can take payment through the app on completion. So you can, as an employee, you could do a job, finish it. By the time that you get back in your car, the company that you work for can have the money in in the bank. So we're shortening all all of those um, processes. And where the big data component comes in here is another real example. A company recently was moving offices. I've used this example a few times now. So if you are thinking about moving where you're based out of, where truly do you move to to be the most efficient? Probably you want somewhere maybe in the middle of where all your jobs are in relation to where your employees live. So you can cut down on vehicle travel time and, and become you know, that more desirable place for people to work and, and yep. all the rest of it. So if you automatically have on a map where all your jobs are, where all your employees are, open jobs, closed jobs, you can find out really quickly where the best place for you to locate that office. And it comes into a lot of the decision-making going forward, that being one example. Another really basic one, of course, would be if you're going to buy a new car. You know, what's the fuel efficiency of that vehicle? How far did you travel last year? Is it better to buy a $55,000 van knowing that you're going to make – that it's going to actually be cheaper after 12 months than a $45,000 van? At the moment as an industry, we're making a lot of these assumptions um, based on intuition, our best guess. We don't actually truly, truly know. So as we're collecting more of this data, what you're going to find is that – companies are going to get very, very good at analysing the data, you know, and they're going to become a lot more efficient. And I suggest that, you know, even if you didn't believe in some of this stuff right now, you've got to start to ask yourself the question, if I don't do this and the plumbing company up the road does, surely there's going to be a time and there will. I mean, there's going to be a lot of companies that run into this this issue where you go to quote a job and you're going to not be able to work out why they're 15% or 20% cheaper. And it's not about driving the price down necessarily. They may actually be making more money than you and also have that saving because they better understand what's going on inside their business. And until you have a process or a system to collect all that Information you can't analyze it, which means you just can't be the most efficient that you
0: can be. And it's—I understand—it's a platform that's pretty flexible as well. You don't necessarily have to have uh, work coming to you through the platform. You could also transpose or even direct jobs that you're getting elsewhere and put them into the system and manage it that way.
1: Yeah. So it's a it's a cloud-based model. All our stuff is on on the Google Cloud. So yep. we have situations now, and you know, my specialty was was uh, you know real estate work and, and the rental space and that sort of thing. And now we're integrating and connecting some of the rental management systems directly yep. with the business owner's dashboard. Okay. So no more emailing back and forth, no more photos back and forth and all that sort of stuff. The property manager in that um, example can just create a job inside their system, hit one button, it appears in your dashboard, and then you can
0: push it out to an employee or you can manage it's it. out in the field. It's already out in the field, yep. Yep. Um, Again, managing efficiencies. If you've got five blokes out on the road, you can just say, this one's closest or this one's got the right tools to do the job. We'll give it to that bloke.
1: That's right. And instead of spending that time getting your emails, saving photos, putting it into a job system, then pushing it out, then you forgot a photo and you're in a rush so only half the address went through and not all of it, all the time that we used to spend – you know, chasing out, managing all that stuff that doesn't matter. You can now put towards going and seeing that property manager and having a coffee or a you know beer on a Friday night or whatever you want to do. You can get much more personal,
0: okay.
1: uh, personal with those relationships because you automate the stuff that doesn't matter. So it's a it's a big part, and we're going to see more and more. You know, of this going forward. This is just the
0: very very first steps. And, and in. I was going to say, in early stages. Now it's been in production and development and testing for a long time now, and it's it's starting to get a bit of traction amongst uh, trades around the country. And from plumbing in Victoria, uh, it's available exclusively to Master Plumbers members. It, it is Daniel, and we've we've obviously put
1: something together for all your members to make it. Um, well, I can tell you the the cheapest that it's ever going to be available to to use. Yeah. We we talked a fair bit about this relationship before we kind of started talking to, to to you guys. And I sort of made the point and, and we came to the conclusion that before we started getting the trade industry associations involved with what we're doing, and there's a number there across different trades around, around the company, that we really just had an, an idea. We really didn't have a validated idea. And one of the key things that um, has come from working with you guys and making the changes that we've, we've had to to make it work and all that sort of stuff is that both parties here really are trying to lift the standard of the entire plumbing industry. And one of the ways that we do that is by providing better service to our customers. And I think, uh, Peter, obviously the C- the CEO could, uh, could probably see where we were heading in terms of a direction and a trade and wanting to improve that side of it. So uh, me being a plumber, as we said at the start, having a passion for the industry, wanting to give that opportunity um, to others, it was a great, uh, you know, w- worked out to be a great, um, I suppose, collaboration between us as an industry body and a, and a tech supplier with, um, you know, many m- many more uh, things to happen there and, and, and progress. But,
0: um, you know, very excited for the future the future. And just thinking about some of the other benefits of what uh, the Eye for Trade platform provides, I was very uh, impressed to see the what happens after a job is finished. Um, you know, job is finished, it's closed off from either end of the uh, platform, either by the consumer or the, the plumber themselves. Both parties agreed that the job was completed um, as per uh, the agreement. And then they're able to initiate uh, a rating process. I guess you could uh, say. Can you explain a little bit about uh, how that works and what happens afterwards?
1: Yeah. So both the customer are asked or prompted at the end of a job to rate the service that they've got from the trade business, and vice versa. Just like the way Uber works. Yeah. Exactly right. It's about bringing a rating and everything like that. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Because. It's about doing the right thing and it's about being open and it's about being honest, right? And we've certainly come across, as many other plumbing companies would have along the way, you know, customers that we don't want to work for. For whatever reason, they don't fit what we're doing. And there's some customers who won't want to work with certain plumbing businesses as well. well, The the
0: first thing you think of is the, the guys that don't pay on time or don't pay at all. The first ones to uh, get the low rating, and you know, you, you, sooner or later, you won't find them in the uh, in the system.
1: Yeah, that's right. And
0: we monitor those
1: ratings as a platform. So the exact we don't make public exactly what the parameters are for being removed from the Trades platform, but we do look at that because we want this to be not a transactional based platform. It's really a place where you can come and build a deeper relationship with your customers and client base using technology. And that's the way that we really think about it. And the more we can, I suppose, uh, facilitate that, the more open that we can make it and the more transparent that we can come. Everybody everybody wins, right? It's only if you're trying to hide something or do something that's not quite right from a business or a customer perspective that that you know, methodology won't work for you. Actually, if I could just say one more thing on the completion of the job, too, is that what we can produce is a, a, is a complete audit trail of how the job has actually unfolded. So we received the call, email, uh, job sent straight into our system would be like the first line where the job's actually created. Yeah. Um, then it was assigned, then it was, you know, this technician went out to the job. When they went to the job, the person knows ahead of time when they're coming because they can see who's coming. They see a photo of the technician before they arrive so they know who's going to be at their front door. We can see travel times. You can see when the job started, all the photo history. And that audit, which you can just print off at the end of it, any job, we've seen uh, cases now where it's gone to um, the court scenario and there was, you know, party A versus party B. And of course, they weren't exactly the same. On the same page. And what the, uh, the, the judge or whoever was, was making this particular decision said, well, the only thing we can go off is what's written on this piece of paper. This is right. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the penalties or infringements or whatever were handed down from that, from yeah. that space. So the fact that you diarise every single thing that you do on a job – digitally um goes a long way if you ever have any problems down the track as well
0: so if anyone wants to learn any more about i for tradies so go to i for tradies that's a uh, letter i number four tradies dot com au and if anyone from a plumbing perspective wants to get involved contact the membership team of uh, master plumbers and see uh, how they can jump on board and start taking advantage of all that i for tradies has to offer um just in closing, what what uh, advice do you have for people out there looking to integrate uh, any type of technology into their business? Well, I think the
1: obvious one is that you need to think from the perspective of your customer and try and sort of build your architecture back from that place. I would say it's a good idea to actually... Engage your own company from time to time, or have a grandma, or a or a mother, or a father, or whatever. Order mm. something through your business and see what their actual experience is. And it, because the more that we can make that experience better, the more people will buy from us, and and that sort of thing. So you want to you want to look at that at that. You want to keep your mind open to the possibilities moving forward. There's a lot mm. changing in this space. It's going to get faster. It's probably in some ways going to get more complicated, so you want to be testing things, trying things. Except for the time that it takes to implement some of this stuff, most of it is free to try. So you want to get the best solution that that you can for your business, which will t- which will change from time to time. So you've got to really stay on top of that. You want to look to, you know, centralize your processes, streamline your processes, become more effective, become more efficient. Anyway, just think back to the evolution of search and how that sort of played out, I think it gives a good indication of kind of where the industry is moving. And I I remember I was deciding on my business name very early on. And of course, to get ideas, you flick open the yellow pages at at that point, you know, and there was people back in those days who would um, try and get up near the front of the yellow AAA. pages. Right? <laughs> well, AAA, that's that's actually correct. It was a lot worse than that. So the number one listing, and I still remember this because my uncle told me this is what they were doing and explained how it kind of worked, was Aardvark Plumbing and it was spelt with seven A's. Oh, so really? <laughs> you, you could have bet when the next year's edition come out that uh, number one would be Aardvark spelt with eight A's and yeah. you know, and and forward we progress. but. In those days, you want a plumber, you you open the yellow pages, and you can see on that page, I'm guessing, 80, 100 at least options. Mm. And then you can flick, and it's very easy, and probably pretty easy to get exposure through that method. What's happened since then is obviously we've gone to Google, and now Google, if we're not on the first page, we all know we're not seen.
0: Yeah, what's what's the, the joke? Where's the best place to hide a dead body? On the second page of Google. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. No one what, ever goes there. A hundred percent, yeah. So those hundreds of options, now that is a fight for just 10 yep. on the first page. And If you're outside that, that top 10, you won't be found,
0: yeah. like as you just said. Or, or 10, 10 organic listings. You can pay big bucks to go on the front, but that's probably you got to work out where the uh, balance is for how much you're spending to what sort of what you're getting back from that investment. And hence
1: we have the divide, the big companies and the really small companies to speak to exactly that, because there was one episode of my podcast where I talked to a guy um, out of Phoenix in the US, a big plumbing and air conditioning company who grew his company from, I think it was six and a half million turnover to 103. And what's happened in their space is that it used to be, you used to have to spend about $500 a month as he told me, to be on the front page of Google. Yep. Well, now that starts at about 25000 Yeah. So what that means is that in Phoenix, if you want to advertise your business, you better have that monthly budget. Now we can straight away see that small companies can't do that, obviously, which means only the big companies can, which means they raise the prices over time mm-hmm. because there's more big companies competing for it. They can afford to spend more and that price will just go up. But- even further than that, Google has now in, it was started to introduce Google services. Yeah. And what Google services is, is that they've realized that they are the source of new leads for your business. So it's gonna go one step further and this is starting to happen. You won't be on the or you won't be advertised by Google unless you have a partnership with them. Okay. And what that will mean is that Google will audit your business, the practices within your business, because they don't want to promote anyone that's not a best practice. Yeah. So there'll be a yearly or a monthly or a yearly fee or however they determine to do it um, to get access or to get that exposure to buy those leads. And then they'll also take a percentage of the job that you're doing as well. So all of a sudden we've gone from hundreds of exposures in that yellow pages right through to unless you're a big company with a big budget going for one or two spots, you can't be on Google. And a lot of the avenues that we see now uh, and get worked through, I think are going to start – and we're talking – there's always going to be exceptions, but on a broad scale are going to start to slowly, slowly, slowly – close up and you want to think very carefully um, long term about where you want to end up and where you should be investing now to make sure that you take the best advantage of the situation because like we mentioned there's too much money in the trade space for these companies not to want a piece of the pie it might not be right we might not agree with it we might think it's wrong unethical and all the rest of it but that's not going to change anything you know unless you're going to take on Google and you know Virtually, no one has the energy, <coughs> no budget, or desire. That's right to do that. Then, um, then you need to play the game, but you just need to play the game in a way that that allows you um, to win. And I think that those few things, looking forward um, as to what is going to happen in different areas of your business, is going to put you in a in a really good, really good space. But mindset, testing, and 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 trying new things, and certainly you've got to be on your phone. Like business is just on your phone now. It doesn't mean you don't have an office with office staff who have screens and all that sort of stuff. Granted, that's, you know, for some people that's going to be right, but unless you can also make that mobile, then um, I think it's fairly safe to say that you will lose to someone who does make it mobile.
0: And that's where the majority of your – more every day we are seeing the the transfer of people going from computers to their handheld devices. So – going back and looking at the way your business is set up, uh, not just on the, the tools that you use within your business but how your business is marketed and presented to the public, making sure that the people who are picking up their phone and searching for your business, if they pull up your website, making sure that it's uh, a responsive website and it, it it's able to be seen nicely and uh, neatly and people can get what they want quickly, I guess. Uh, so I guess in in, in general, uh, it's it all comes down to the opportunity is there. It's just up to who's the one that's going to make it work for everyone else the best. Yeah, and in a changing landscape, um, there's a lot of opportunity.
1: You know, that's the most exciting thing. And I think as an extension of what's going to happen here is that small companies now, as we said, can become big quickly because they can adapt quickly. Yep. you know you can you can get some of this stuff you can put it into your business and you can see straight away does it work doesn't it get rid of it keep it move on to the next thing or whatever and I think we're going to see some of these small companies really shoot to the moon and like with all these other industries that have been effectively disrupted, some of the biggest players you know are not you know a blockbuster is not here anymore simply because they they didn't think that the this digital, Um, wave is going to affect them. And they pay the price if they don't look into
0: it. Yeah, well, the story goes that they were offered an opportunity to be part of Netflix in the early days, back when Netflix delivered DVDs through the mail. And they they laughed and they said, oh, good luck with your efforts. Within a couple of years, they were uh, closing down their stores at a rapid rate just because they didn't see past... The now and look to the future.
1: And, and simply looking at that customer experience, you know, getting in your car, driving across town, choosing a video, getting back in, driving home, watching it, taking it back the next day. Like it's easier to press one button. Yeah. Like it's very, very uh, basic when you put it in those terms, but we as plumbers need to think about yeah. that as well, making that experience quicker, better and easier because the quicker, the better and the easier that you make it, the more business that you will do. Fantastic. Fantastic. Matt Reynolds, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me in, Daniel, and the opportunity to share some of my thoughts. Appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Master Plumbers Radio. Check out the Master Plumbers website at plumber.com.au or hit us up on email at podcastplumber.com.au. You can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram.